a lot of times when I think about executive or leadership positions, you have to think about your runway and do you have time to build this position and spend the time to actually groom this person to get them there or do you simply need to buy the position? That's Jessica Mobile, seasoned business leader, head of coaching strategy at Crisp and my right hand for over the past 10 years. So when it goes back to even skill set or anything, wherever your reservation is, if it's not like, oh my God, I must, like, I cannot imagine my firm without this person, that's the person that you have to hire. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. Today, we're flipping the script for a special edition episode to get Jessica's take on how to stand out as a leader worth following, why nothing good comes from compromising in the hiring process, and how to attract and retain top talent. This is what I think I hear most out of any firm owner is they can't find good people. They just don't exist anymore. They're out there. Our approach with anyone is that there are 7 billion people in this world and someone knows how to do it and someone's fantastic at it. You have to look inward first. Are you even a firm or a firm owner that is worth working for? That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney podcast. What's up, everybody? Here we are. Our special, exclusive, elite edition episode of the Game Changing Attorney podcast. So if you're tuning in, you're used to the AMMA, Ask Michael Mogul Anything, but this is a special edition episode where we are actually turning the tables and it's going to be asking Jessica, A-J-M-A, Jessica Mogul, anything. Now, the reason this came about is you all submit your questions every single week at 404-531-7691. That is a real number. If you don't believe it, text it. You'll see what happens. I will respond to you every single time unless you text me something completely dumb, in which case I will absolutely respond. But there's questions that come along. And quite frankly, for those of you that don't know, Jessica's the brains behind this whole crisp operation, right? I have always brought the looks and the charm. Jessica brings the brains. And when Jessica came in to crisp, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing, right? Of course, I could work hard. The grit was there. But since Jessica came in, that's when we catapulted, right? I think a year in, we hit that first million, then 10 million, then 20 million, then 30 million, then 40 million and beyond. And it's all thanks to Jessica, who was able to lay the operational groundwork, expertise, the culture, the team, the hiring process, everything. I look at myself as being an intelligent person in the sense that I was able to link up with Jessica. And that is where my intelligence begins and ends. Not only link up, but then have two kids to really lock it in, right? That's it. They're always trying to poach you, Jessica. So, you know, we got kid number one and then just in case number two. So before we get into these questions, those of you that are joining into this podcast, because we have new listeners every single week, there's three types of episodes that we run on this podcast. Okay. Number one, we've got the typical podcast you guys listen to. You guys get it. You bring in a thought leader, an expert, an author, 
an elite athlete, a great trial attorney, etc. We bring those in, we pick their brains, we present their insights on the podcast. We feature those, of course. Then there's the Encore Editions. Those are us bringing back some of the most popular episodes of the podcast. We've been doing this podcast for many, many years now. We have hundreds of episodes, and how could you go back and listen to every single one? So we take the guesswork out of that, and we present the Encore Editions for you. And then these episodes, the AMMAs, or in this case, the AJMA. So maybe we do four types of episodes on this podcast now. And then one more thing. So a quick before we continue, a word from our sponsors. There are no sponsors because we do not run ads on this podcast, which allows us to say whatever the hell we want and allows our guests to say whatever the hell they want. And we keep the podcast free. However, the podcast is not free for you. What I mean here is, is that if you get any value whatsoever from this podcast, if you learn something new, if you make you laugh, if it's something you want to share, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you listen to the damn thing. And share it with a friend. That is all we ask. It helps us reach more people and it allows us to keep the podcast free. We can make a ton of money on this podcast, and yet we decide to not run ads and not have sponsors in the days of ads and sponsors. I mean, look, everybody's running ads. Everybody, except the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. The first question, number one, I've been through a couple of receptionist hires recently, and while they are decent, they weren't quite the A players I was hoping for. How can I assure we're attracting and hiring top-tier talent for a relatively entry-level role? Where do we go? Uh, so, Michael, how many mediocre people did you hire before I came in? Hundreds. Um, and it's not to say it doesn't still happen, but I think you have to think about literally any position and how you do anything is how you do everything. And you cannot compromise. And this is something I can talk about forever. But it's a really why our hiring process was even designed was to filter that out. And if you are making compromises on the front end, it will never get better. They are giving you their very best self through the application process, trying to prove themselves, trying to get that actual position. But if you're already compromising then, what's going to happen down the line? And also, if you're a small firm, like you need A player help. You don't need B or C player help. You need your right hand. You need somebody to help you scale that and also look for potential growth within that person. It's always been interesting to me in the hiring process when people say, why can't I find and hire A players? It's because you keep saying yes to the B and C players before you interview the A players. You're saying yes too soon. And if you say no more often, if you can be a sadistic SOB on your route through the hiring process, then when you do find an A player, right? Because again, it's usually not the first, the second or third person that applies, but it's being willing to be discerning and making sure that, I mean, what are some characteristics, Jessica, of when you know this is an A player? Yeah, I think there's that side of it. Knowing they're an A player is obviously not missing deadlines to start with, but then going above and beyond. And is this person truly a person of integrity? We always look for like smart, hungry, humble. So even when you get down to a more experienced position, do they still have that humility? Are they going to come in with an ego with that? Are they hungry? Do they always want to learn more? Do they see themselves as a future part of your company with things as well? So really just thinking, does this person make your life easier? And I want to go back to even when you said talking about the B players and you're saying yes too soon, you have to choose your hard. It's the hard of not having the help or it's the hard of hiring 10 times and making 10 mistakes. But holding out long enough to get the right person is worth it in the end. And if you already have a few people on your team, if they're the right ones, they actually want to endure the pain of less help just to get the right person in. I can't tell you how many times in our early days when I think of like our core people who are like, no, 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 I'll take it. I'm going to handle 20 more clients until we get this extra person in. Simply because think about the time, the money, the resources, you're training, you're onboarding this person, or maybe you're not, and maybe that's why you're losing them. But you're doing that over and over again. And if you had just waited during that time, you could have actually gotten the right person. Yep. 
When you're interviewing, if they're not a hell yes, what are they, Jessica? They're a hell no. That's right. All right, let's move on to the second one. Here we go. Question number two. We've been focusing on expanding our litigation department, but we're struggling to find experienced trial attorneys who fit our firm culture. How can we position ourselves as the top choice for talented litigators and elevate our recruitment efforts in this competitive market? Here we go. This is what I think I hear most out of any firm owner is they can't find good people. They just don't exist anymore. They're out there. Our approach with anyone is that there are 7 billion people in this world and someone knows how to do it and someone's fantastic at it. You have to look inward first. Are you even a firm or a firm owner that is worth working for? Like you're not differentiating yourself from the firm owner down the road. You are from every other company. You're comparing yourself to the Ritz, to Amazon, to Starbucks, everything. Like why would they actually want to work for you? Are you enticing enough with that? Do you have the culture? Do you have the accolades? Do you do the community service? Whatever it is that your brand is, is it even out there? I always say if your job description looks like every other job description, you're going to get every other applicant. It's not going to stand out. Yeah. And let's say someone's nodding along saying, yes, we are all those things. We're experienced trial attorneys. We've been a part of our community for a long time. We do great things in our community. We're handing out turkeys. Well, then I would say, are you the best kept secret? Yes. Do people know that? Are yeah. you showcasing it? Are you promoting it? Could, how would a candidate know? How would they find out? Can they go on your website and find out? Can they see it on social media, just on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever? Have they been updated in the last you know, 10 years? Right? So how would somebody know that? And again, we're talking about the best here and there's best and there's best available. Yes. Right. But if you want the best, chances are if you're not getting the best, you probably don't deserve the best. And I know that's a harsh truth, but you really have to ask yourself, why would you, you, your firm specifically, deserve the absolute best talent over any other place that that person could go. And how hard are you working to get your name out there? Like if I think about the early, early days before we had a recruiting team, before we could do all of these measures, like are you literally on every single platform? Like there are free ones even out there. We were bugging our team every single day. Repost this on your Facebook, repost this on your LinkedIn. Like what can you do that's free? Because I also hear that and they're like, there's no resources. They can't do this. I can't afford it. But there's a way. If you're determined, there's a way. Yes. All right. Question number three. This one is a mouthful. This person wrote a lot of words. I'm in the final stages of interviewing a new marketing director and I'm down to two candidates. One is an absolute shark. She was the marketing director for a law firm five times our size and knows more about this kind of stuff than anyone I've ever met. But I'm worried she won't bring the courtesy and humility that the rest of our team has. The other screams culture fit giving me and everyone from my team she's met the warm fuzzies and knows exactly what resonates with our client base, but doesn't have the big firm experience that I was hoping for. If you were in my shoes, which one would you hire? This happens. It happens all the time. We're hiring an exec position right now, and I'm literally reviewing candidates, and there's no answer that's the right answer. A lot of times when I think about executive or leadership positions, you have to think about your runway, and do you have time to build this position and spend the time to actually groom this person to get them there? Or do you simply need to buy the position? And it's a ready-made, batteries included, everything from there. But I would even go back to where you just said, if it's not a hell yeah, then it's a hell no. Like, if you have any reservations about the person, they're not the one. You know, this actually happened twice to me in one week, just a couple weeks ago. And I was interviewing for a position, client-facing, and everybody's ready to go. And I was like, I just need one more check on it. I said, fine, I'll interview her. And at the end, I said, she could do the job. I don't think we would have any problems with her. I think it would be just fine. I said, but was I so ecstatic that I felt that I needed to offer this person the job on the spot? No. 
And if I don't have that feeling about the person, it's simply it's a no. That's it. And then I had another team lead present a candidate to me and it was like, here's the list of all the pros. Here's the list of all the cons. The first con literally said, I really like her, but I do not love her. And I literally responded and I said, read that point again. I'm not interviewing this person. I need you to be so excited when you present this person. You've presented people to me before that you were like, I will die if I don't hire this person. and She's not on my team. So when it goes back to even skill set or anything, wherever your reservation is, if it's not like, oh, my God, I cannot imagine my firm without this person. That's the person that you have to hire. So in this case, you've got somebody who it sounds like has the expertise, but not a culture fit. And then you have another person who's culture fit, but perhaps may lack the experience, although I would wonder where. This person's asking, well, they don't have the big firm experience I was hoping for. So I'm almost wondering like what they believe that is. And perhaps they believe that someone who comes from big firm experience is going to be some sort of a value add to the firm. Not always. Yeah. But which one? I mean, you have to, if you had to pick one, experience but not culture fit or culture fit but not experience. Culture. Culture will always, always trump for me. And I would even reiterate what you just said about like, what does that big firm experience mean to you? Because I think a lot of times it looks like bells and whistles and the resume is so amazing, but you also don't want it to be a place where it's like, hey, I can get the wool pulled over my eyes. Especially, I would actually say marketing positions are notorious for this. We did this in the beginning as well. And it would be like, oh, we just need to get a marketing assistant. And I would just go hire someone who was a marketing assistant and then they would start. And then I was like, what are they doing? What are we measuring them on? What is this day-to-day? What am I actually expecting out of this person? And at the time, we didn't have a marketing leader, so it was you and me, and it was like, let's define this. But nine times out of 10 for marketing positions especially, I see law firm owners chase the bells and the whistles, and it looks beautiful, but are there actually results, and did you ever actually take the time to define what you were looking for? Yeah. The other thing I would add is sometimes you see someone that comes from a big firm, and that's enticing, but just because that person came from a big firm doesn't mean that they were necessarily a driver of results at said firm. So they may have just happened to have been employed by that firm already when they were successful and had come in when they were successful. So a great question to ask candidates sometimes is that what were some of the biggest problems that you solved? And then what was your role in solving those problems and asking them how they went about solving them? And usually you can find out if somebody was actually involved in solving said problem based on how they answer that question. Because if they give you like top level generic type things versus discussing the intricacies of how they solve those problems, Also, you'd want to see what were the specific levels of impact that you made, like talk about the campaigns, show some some of the results. Maybe you helped grow revenue from this amount to this amount. Maybe you helped to improve intake or lead capture or whatever they, they may show you, but you need to have specific metrics tied to that so you can see the role they actually played as opposed to someone who had a title at a larger firm. Yeah. And two things I would actually add to follow up with that for leadership positions again We were really hell-bent on this with an operations position, but when you look at their profile or whatever it says, and they're like, yes, I ran the operations of a $100 million company, it's kind of what you were saying. Were they there when it was $100 million already? Because if you're in hyper-growth phase, you need someone who actually did the work to get them to $100 million and who wasn't like sitting pretty when they were there. And then the other side of that also, if you're thinking about it, and again, in hyper-growth phase, because for a very long time with a lot of leaders that we hired, it was, I need a player coach. And sometimes when you get someone who has all the bells and whistles and their resume looks great and they're coming from the giant firm, they aren't willing to roll their sleeves up and get dirty. And almost always, unless you're, you know, at a hundred million, you probably need a player coach. You need someone who's willing to actually do the work as well. Jessica, your wealth of knowledge, you've forgotten more than I've even learned. 
You have forgotten more things than I've ever even learned. That's how much you know. Anyway, that wraps it up for our first AJMA. If you guys enjoyed this episode, shoot us a text, 404-531-7691, and maybe we'll bring back Jessica, and I'll interview her. And maybe you guys will say, you know what, Mike? We actually like these episodes more. And all I got to do is now interview from now on. And then we can have an AI Michael interview you, and then I can sit home and do cold plunges and saunas and eat, you know, eat chicken breasts and exercise. And you just already do that. I already do all those things. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Go ahead and leave a five-star review. Share the episode if you enjoyed it. I'm going to give a huge thank you to Jessica for taking the time to speak with us today on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that I can help you grow your law firm. Number one, download the first chapter of my book absolutely free at GameChangingAttorney.com. Number two, you can shoot me a text at 404-531-7691 and I'll answer any question that you've got for me. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it'll help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com.